Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Saritha Visawasam. Thanks for joining us. This is part three of our three-part series regarding illicit tobacco trade in Australia. We continue our discussion with Rowan Pike, illicit trade detection expert, where our conversation moves to the interception of illicit tobacco shipments, law enforcement and crimes taking place in convenience stores. To keep up to date with all future Crime Stoppers Victoria podcasts, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. Hope you enjoy our discussion with Rowan. So what steps are being taken to intercept illicit tobacco from uh, from hitting the stores? Um, well, the ABF, as we said, the Border Force, they're the agency with responsibility at the border. Uh, to intercept illegal goods. They've been doing that forever, since uh, well before they were the ABF, when they were customs. They're very well practised at it. Um, however, you know, due to the absolute tsunami of illicit tobacco coming in, via all possible means, they've really been unable to make a meaningful dent in the availability of it at, at the marketplace. Um, much like drugs, I guess, where there's a market for the product, the smugglers will find a way to get it in no matter how many resources are dedicated to stop it. Um, Unfortunately, the ABF, while they are a law enforcement agency, they're not a policing agency Mm. um, with the necessary necessary police powers and tools and investigative techniques. So when they're fighting against these organised crime syndicates, they're largely powerless to combat them because they're well-resourced criminal syndicates um, that they're that they're battling against. Um, The Australian Tax Office, they're responsible for enforcing the illegal domestically grown tobacco. Okay. Um, So they, they, as part of their role um, in the Illicit Tobacco Task Force, which was uh, recently uh, commenced about two years ago, they've come across uh, numerous crops of tobacco um, and they usually uh, seize that or plough that back into the ground. Yeah, but again, you know, their task is difficult. Australia is a very big country. There's lots of land out there. Um, and again, their, their efforts so far have failed to stem the flow of domestic product into the marketplace, no how hard they've tried. So, And again, the ATO, a law enforcement agency, but not a policing agency. So again, they don't have the police powers 
capable of dismantling the types of syndicates that they're um, fighting against. Mm, that's interesting. Do you have any examples of how illicit tobacco was intercepted? Well, there are plenty of examples. Um, it's been done, as I say, with the uh, mail system. There's a thousand packages intercepted every day at the International Mail House. Um, so that just shows how much is coming in or how what the demand for cheap cigarettes is. So it's not only the, the major uh, containers that are organised crime sort of organised um, or planned to bring in. So they're the, they're the major shipments. But you can tell that just your everyday punter opportunist has now turned their mind to getting cheaper cigarettes and they're doing, a lot of them are doing that via the post. Um, but you'll see if you look on you know, the ABF website, just even last week there was a major raid in Shepparton um, at a farm up there, a large factory, where they found large quantities of loose tobacco, which had obviously come off a nearby farm. Um, they also found 2 million seedlings, so that's the next crop of tobacco that was about to be planted. Um, they found cutting machines and other evidence of manufacture, so that was a really well-resourced and well-organised outfit up there. And um, that, While that was a good bust, um, it's probably one example of uh, you know, several that uh, are required to make a real dent in the in the issue. Mm. And are there? You mentioned about uh, organised crime syndicates leasing parts of farms to help grow their crops. Would you say that that is an issue that uh, has grown? Yeah, certainly. Um, that's one of the uh, typical methodologies um, of recent times uh, that have, the ATO have certainly come across as to um, how crime syndicates manage to plant their crops. Um, well, farmers might have been going through the drought or tough times and they're offered a substantial amount of money by crime syndicates to lease some, some of their land. Uh, obviously, their name's not associated with the ownership of that land or um, anything like that. So it's uh, quite a covert activity. And as I say, Australia's a big place and there's lots of places that you can hide a crop, um, even if it's in you know, several acres or hectares large. So um, farmers should certainly be on the lookout for... Um, opportunists coming past, offering to lease some of their land for an exorbitant fee um, and know that uh, this is a typical methodology being used by tobacco growers here in Australia and Victoria. For a, um, a retailer to sell illicit tobacco, is that... But if they can sell regular cigarettes, is it legal to sell illicit tobacco? Well, no, it's not. But the laws around that particular issue um, are ill-defined, particularly here in Victoria. Um, in Victoria, you don't need a licence to sell tobacco, one of the few states that you don't. Um, and obviously, but and there are some very um, vague laws, I would say, in, in the, the health, in the Tobacco Act of Victoria, um, which only give a you know, passing reference really to illicit tobacco. So this is one of the big problems that um, the law um, and the enforcement of this law hasn't really kept pace with um, the policy to uh, of high taxes 
and that's caused the crime industry. So um, the only way to have prevented that or to subdue it, or, you know, suppress it, um, would have had a law enforcement response um, in parallel, and, and that's being um, slow to, to move forward. So tobacco policy in Australia, as most countries, it's, it's set by the Department of Health. Um, and our policy from the start of this century has been guided by the World Health Organization's convention, which is known as the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. And all countries in the world, well, I think everyone, um, has signed up to that. And certainly Australia was one of the primary supporters of it. Mm. Um, and it's, this, this convention's primary focus is to reduce smoking rates um, and to do that via the raising of taxes and also education. Um, but because this suppression via tax sort of strategy was developed by departments of health who have really no experience or expertise in law enforcement, the negative criminal consequences that were clearly going to develop from it um, and were obvious to some at the time uh, were largely ignored and have continued to uh, be so. And that's why I say that we've uh, fallen behind in our response. So while this high-taxing policy was being implemented and has been uh, by Australia for the last 20 odd years, a, a law enforcement strategy to stop the growth of illicit tobacco was not being developed. So it's important to realise this health department policy is based on the false assumption that smokers only have two options. One is to pay the tax or the other is to quit. Mm. But of course, of course, the policy pays no regard to the third option, um, if it's available, and that's the illicit tobacco, where people, criminals, uh, where uh, consumers can go and buy cheaper tobacco, um, being illicit tobacco, and therefore not have to pay the tax or, in fact, quit. So criminals quickly realised that there was a market there to be exploited. Um, they've increased their activities to meet this demand. And as a result, illicit tobacco is now widely available. And the behaviour control measure of increased price has largely become null and void. So smokers can merely and quite easily change from legal to illegal tobacco um, with little risk of a penalty and We've seen that more and more, and studies, recent studies have shown that the rates of illicit tobacco has has grown 50% in the last year. Mm. And I've certainly noticed with uh, friends of mine where, you know, previously law-abiding citizens who want to do the right thing, um, but the price has become so extreme that uh, they have had to search for um, the illegal but cheaper alternative to continue their uh, their pastime, their hobby. So the massive reduction, yeah. So both from the stats and from uh, anecdotally, that the massive reduction in smoking rates that were hoped for um, have not occurred to any greatest extent. So people who want to smoke still do. Um, they just buy the cheaper and illegal version. Mm. Um, and so, fortunately, the investment in law enforcement. And for a strategy to counter it um, has been lacking to this point. So uh, that's where my focus lies in, in future um, lobbying activity. Okay. Yeah, so as far as um, your your 
views in terms of what uh, the lobbying would entail. Uh, what are you sort of working towards? Um, well, I'm hoping, hoping to, uh, and there's been a number of hearings and so on in uh, federal parliament towards illicit tobacco, um, and that's been going on for some years. So we are getting somewhere, and uh, decision makers are listening. Um, and understanding, but obviously the first thing that has to happen is that there's a widespread understanding and acceptance by government that um, the high taxing policy has caused this crime environment um, that's increasingly being exploited by organised crime um, and that it undermines their own tobacco policy. So not only are they not increasing their funding through the taxes, but they're not reducing smoking rates, which was the uh, prime motivator in the first place. Um, and they need to understand that in order to control illicit tobacco, they need proper law enforcement coordination. Um, and the policy... Uh, uh, they would understand that the policy and enforcement response required is very similar to how a country would um, respond to an illicit drug problem. Um, and Australia has uh, turned their mind to these issues in the past and we're very good at responding to them in a holistic sort of way when um, when we do understand the gravity of the situation. So the first thing is to, as I say, to understand and accept that it's a, a major problem. Um, then I would tell them to look at the, that World Health Authority convention. They actually came out with a second sub-convention um, about eight years ago called the protocol to eliminate illicit trade in tobacco after they realised that the problems that were being caused by the high taxes. And this is really a um, guide for countries as to what uh, policies and laws that they should um, implement in order to, to stop it. So that um, would certainly give direction to us if we were to sign up to it. There's about 60 or 70 countries that have signed it, and Australia is not one of them. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, but certainly that would be a good first step um, to follow that international guide. And then um, we haven't got a national policy on illicit tobacco. Uh, we've got a tobacco policy, but that um, only sort of pays scant regard to the illicit tobacco problem. But if um, uh, once they realise that this is a major organised crime problem, um, they would then perhaps bring in law enforcement policy makers to create a policy to counter it. Um, so that hasn't been done um, and that would recognise that we need to look at it from uh, the source countries coming in from overseas, whether we've got the right resources or tactics at the border, but also past the border where there's at the moment not much being done and um, we'd try to coordinate all those federal and state resources um, towards the problem um, and that would certainly flow out of a policy. Um, and lastly, I'd say that the laws, as I mentioned before, have not quite caught up. So you know, 20 years ago, this wasn't really an issue um, mm. and there wasn't any need for law enforcement or lawmakers to uh, make widespread changing, sweeping changes to the laws um, to counter it. But um, it's now quite a big thing and the laws sort of remain well behind where they should be. Um, and so a, a bit of a review and an update of those laws would certainly be helpful. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I understand where, you, where you're coming from in that regard. What can you say uh, about like the cycle of um, the issue within the supply chain that it continues to be a problem due to the cost of uh, cigarettes nowadays to be acquired legally? Um, yeah, well, as, as I said before, it's, a, it's become now a massive impost on people. It takes up a large portion of their of their weekly grocery bill. Um, but on a on a different level, I mean, I feel for and 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 have you know represented the the um, shops that are trying to sell the legal product. Um, so they're uh, take and profits are being adversely affected and so these are milk bars and service stations and supermarkets obviously legitimate tobacconists and their profit share is being um, affected by the, the sale of you know the illicit product um, down the street or at the shop next door um, so they're not playing on level playing field so um, I've, we're advocating on their behalf as well mm. um, and the other, the other point which is um, related to the cost of the tobacco, but it's not necessarily illicit, is that um, tobacco is so expensive now that, you know, some cartons of uh, cigarettes where they come in packs of, you know, 10 packs mm. in a carton, um, they're as worth as much as $400 now. So that's just an enormous amount. And that has attracted, you know, opportunistic crime um, in these shops. So there are now many, many burglaries and thefts that are going on, that's really increased substantially um, for your corner stores and so on, who come in specifically to steal the tobacco just because of the value of it and what they might be able to get when they're selling it. So that's um, that's not illicit tobacco, that's stealing real tobacco, mm. um, legitimate, legitimate tobacco, but um, it's all part of the same um policy failure, if you like, of, of the high taxes. So I've also got great sympathy for those shopkeepers because they're risking their lives just to sell this legal product. Yeah, it is a, a real a real challenge there. I guess they might have been thinking to themselves in, in previous years that the, the products that they sell wouldn't attract uh, robberies and the like. But now, given the continued rise in the price of tobacco, uh, they become targets. Yeah, that's right. So um, I certainly wouldn't have uh, wanted to sign up for, for that. But um, tobacco being very light, um, so it's easily portable, um, it's relatively small, um, and so it's a, it's a good target for criminals to go in. And, um, you know, we're looking um, at the retail trade brand's advocacy to work perhaps with crime stoppers um, to raise the attempt, raise uh, uh, this issue um, as we're fighting for these uh, retailers and these shopkeepers um, and help to uh, protect them and their legitimate business. Mm, sure that they, they'd appreciate that support and, and really, uh, I guess, certainly from a crime stopper's point of view, uh, we, we've seen um, cases that, that, that do fit into that category where there's been burglaries or robberies of uh, convenience stores and the like uh, where cigarettes have been the major target. What can you say to the community as far as 
playing a role in 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 stopping that problem. Yeah, well, um, obviously um, we are keen on developing our links to Crime Stoppers because Crime Stoppers have had a number of campaigns in the past. Um, it, you know, it's obvious ones are you know service stations and petrol stealing and the like. Um, but and uh, and others in the area, but um, so perhaps through the uh, or the channels already set up with Crime Stoppers, that uh, people should be able to dob in um, criminal activity that they see. Um, but also, we're just looking to raise awareness in the community that what they're doing by buying illicit tobacco is actually funding organised crime in this country, um, mm. and it's making their making their community less safe um, as these you know, syndicates can use their profits to fund well, both their lavish lifestyles but, but other, other types of crime as well. So um, it's important to educate the community that um, it's not a victimless crime buying illicit tobacco. Mm, yeah, well, it would certainly have been great to hear your perspective on, on, on illicit, the illicit tobacco industry today, Rowan. It's certainly, uh, I'm sure, well, for, certainly for me, it's, it's an eye-opener, and I'm sure for many of our listeners too. Before we go, w- what can you say uh, in relation to your organisation, Rowan Pike Consulting, and and what you see uh, going forward in terms of... Uh, uh, where we can head from here. All right, well, thanks, Yeah, well, I'm going to continue to advocate um, to help fix this problem. I've been passionate about stopping illicit tobacco from the start. Um, so I'm going to try to advise government as to uh, the consequences of their uh, policy, their current policy, and how they, what they might introduce to fix those um, problems. Um, some of my advocacy has already led to changes in the law and the formation of the Tobacco Task Force, I guess, is part of that. Um, but there's much more to be done, especially, as I say, at the retail level, past, you know, once it gets past the border um, and bringing the states on board. So I'll keep adv- uh, advising the government as to what measures are needed. Um, and as I say, I'm keen to work with our other partners, um, such as Crime Stoppers, uh, to spread the word about the perils of illicit tobacco and and work with retailers to better inform and protect their businesses and their personal safety. Yeah, that's um, that sounds great, and and we certainly uh, look forward to seeing how how it all develops, and 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 really, uh, yeah, hope that retailers don't uh, become victims of um, such instances of crime. It is uh, to, to see those flow-on effects with um, the supply of the product and 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 also uh, that side of the equation with legal tobacco retailers is quite interesting to connect yeah i totally agree and, and, and it's, uh, you know it's, it's really quite sad what's happening to them as they uh, fear and we don't want to end up you know like an american situation where you've got retailers uh, boarded up and and uh, dispensing their products just from a cage because they're so scared to um address the public that's not how we like to operate here in australia and hopefully it doesn't come to that mm, yes most certainly thanks so much for for joining us today rowan thanks very much for the pleasure terrific to speak with rowan in depth on illicit tobacco trade in australia lots to take in regarding its supply distribution 
and consumption within the community. To learn more about Rowan's investigative work, please visit his website, rowanpikeconsulting.com. We'd like to also thank Commander Greg Linsdale of Australian Border Force and hope you've enjoyed our three-part series at looking in-depth into illicit tobacco trade in Australia. To keep up to date with all Crime Stoppers Victoria podcasts, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. Thanks for listening to the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast.